Normally, I would not wish upon any of us this much snow, <laughs> but I'm really thankful because this is my first time getting to share with you guys, and so a smaller family gathering <laughs> is really helping my heart rate right now, so <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys being here. Um, for those of you that uh, were able to join us on the Christmas Eve gatherings on Friday uh, afternoon and evening, uh, first of all, just shout out to our, our staff and volunteer team. I mean, this is a crazy busy season. Not even in the church, it's crazy busy. And then add the church schedule, it is insane. And so them even putting forth the effort to be here this Sunday morning is a big deal. We could have easily just phoned it and been like, too much snow, everyone stay home. Um, Joseph doesn't need a speech. <laughs> so um, I just really appreciate um, them. And so on Friday, uh, in the last Advent bumper video, uh, you might have noticed uh, some kids' faces. It was Soren and Zoe Halfordy. Uh, they're the kids of our lead pastor over at Anchor Central, Brian Halfordy. And one, it was so cool to see them like grown up because I got to teach them when they were little and Anchor kids. Um, and for them to pose the question about humankind's questions throughout eternity um, about God, one, where are you, God? And two, who are you, God? Um, was really powerful because it re- those are really questions that we do start asking um, from that early age, immediately from when we're born. Where are you, God? And who are you, God? And so we saw through the Advent anticipation process And then through Christmas, that Jesus' physical birth here on earth answers those two questions. Answers, where are you? He's right here with us. He came to be with us. And two, who are you? He's always for us. And so our belief in the answers to those two questions are indeed the foundation to our faith as Christians. However, Perhaps like many of you, even after years of believing just that foundational truth of God having come for us and that he's for, come for us and that he's always for us, it took me a long time to realize that alone is not what God has called us to. God has called us indeed to believe that foundational truth, but there's more. The second half of the Great Commission is to go and make disciples to the end of the earth. And he says that he will be with us to the end of the ages. And so when we look at um, Emmanuel with Jesus' birth, God with us, it's very obvious what that meant. He physically came as an infant to be with us and to be for us. However, let's fast forward now, 2021, years past that manger scene. Emmanuel is still true. God with us is still true. He speaks that over us. But frankly, it's sometimes hard to see what God with us actually looks like now, now that Jesus is no longer physically here. And so today we're going to dive into that. And so I'm going to open us with some prayer. And Father, thank you for the birth of Jesus. Thank you for this Advent season that we're able to process through what holy anticipation looks like. And it's just not, it's not an anticipation towards what our culture says Christmas is. Um, But man, a, a 
an event that changed the course of history and changes the implication for our lives. And so knowing that and believing that, would you open our eyes and ears today through your word to understand what your vision is and your desire for us to live as if God is still with us, Emmanuel. In your name we pray, amen. So if you'd open your Bibles to uh, John chapter 16, we'll be reading verses 4 through 15. And if you don't have a copy, there will be the text on the screen behind me. So I'll wait until that comes up. Okay. So John 16, 4 through 15 reads, I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asked me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And so at the beginning of this passage, we see Jesus essentially announcing to his disciples, hey, it was a good run, peace out. And so if put yourself in the shoes of the disciples in that scene, you just spent three years of ministry with Jesus here on earth, building not only a relationship with him, but also seeing miracles happen alongside him, getting to participate physically in his ministry. I mean, we, we could not compare anything that we've experienced to, to what they had in those three years. And so when he announced that he's leaving, it makes sense. It says that you are filled with grief because I've said these things. Totally makes sense. I would be totally bummed if Jesus was like, peace out, it was a good run. I can't help but think about the last two years of this pandemic that all of us have been through and how we've really shown a light on our desire for physical presence. Um, it has never been clear. And it's not only just our desire for physical presence, but it's also been brought to light our preference for it. The opposite of physical presence in this pandemic has been Zoom, Microsoft Teams, uh, words that probably cause you a lot of, I don't want to hear that anymore. <laughs> um, but it's true, it makes sense. It's our innate desire as humans that we crave physical presence and company alongside each other. And so when Jesus says, 
But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When I read that, that's totally counterintuitive. For Jesus to say, it's actually better for me to not be here alongside you anymore. That I have something even better for you, but it does not involve me being here physically present with you. That's hard to hear because to us, it's like, no, physical Jesus, that's way better. I'll take that any day over Zoom Jesus. Like, (laughs) please, please, please stay. But that's what God's plan was. God's plan was for him to leave and for the Holy Spirit to come. And so God didn't abandon us. He had a plan. He sent the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself in this passage says that the Holy Spirit um, will, one, prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. We know right now in our times, man, that would, that's gladly welcomed to prove the world wrong. Two, to guide us into all the truth. I know I could really need that every day. Um, and we are, we are led to our own truths all the time. And so for the Holy Spirit to guide us into all of his truth. And third, to glorify me. The purpose and power of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. And so if the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' own words in this scene, the Holy Spirit has so much power and so much presence in our lives, then why is he the one that is tragically neglected in the Trinity? We revere God, talk about him all the time. We revere Jesus to the point where it's, In the history books, it's in our cultural narrative. We have baby nativity scenes. But the Holy Spirit, he's kind of left out. We read about him. We're aware of him. But do we actually engage with the Holy Spirit? And so, yes, the the Holy Spirit is not physically present with us like Jesus was. But... That is to no fault of God. That's simply our preference, that we would want him to be physical. And so we ask ourselves, okay, if this is the Holy Spirit's purpose in our lives, then what's the barrier? Why are we struggling to engage with the Holy Spirit, who is God? It's kind of like the the old (laughs) cliche breakup line, it's not you, it's me. I feel like that's a lot of what we talk about as Christians, it's not you, it's me, it's not God, it's us. But it is absolutely true in this scenario. Um, because the Holy Spirit is not physically present, it's not tangible, it's not Jesus in the flesh, it's really easy for us to fall into postures towards the Holy Spirit that are not what God intended for us, not why the Holy Spirit was sent. And so today we're going to talk about some of these postures that we are susceptible towards um, in regards to the Holy Spirit, Um, especially looking in towards the new year. um, This is a time of reflection. As much as Advent was, this time is a time of anticipation now that the event has happened and we've celebrated. I want us to step into a process of reflection towards this new year. And so the first posture that we often find ourselves in is a consumer posture. Consumerism is 
feel like a taboo word these days. Um, it's tagged to everything that we do and think about. Um, but it's our reality. We have to accept that we often assume a, a, a consumeristic posture towards the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is, um, you know, like, like the saying in retail, the customer's, customer's always right. Um, let's be honest, sometimes we're like that with the Holy Spirit. We say, no, I'm in charge. Um, I know you're supposed to be leading me, but actually I want you to follow me. Um, I want my way. I want you to intervene when it's convenient for me. And so clearly the Holy Spirit is not something that we can just choose to sprinkle into our lives whenever it's convenient or comfortable or bring up when we need some extra power or we need to pass that exam or get that job. That's not the design of the Holy Spirit. That's never what God intended for us. Yet we fall into that. And so we need to remind ourselves that Christ did not die in order to follow us. He died and rose again so we could forget everything else and follow him to the cross. Those are bold words, and those are hard words to live by. I I know that for myself and probably for you. But I want us to hear that because we fall into this posture more often than we'd like to admit. The second posture we often find ourselves in is a posture of being noncommittal. That is another word that uh, I think is very prevalent in our culture these days, um, especially when we talk about relationships. Um, We're in a generation that uh, is the least likely to be married earlier, um, and often a lot of people do not pursue um, that level of commitment in a relationship. It makes sense. It's scary. Been married two years almost. It is, it's hard. It's hard. And so I, I don't blame people for that, frankly. Um, it's, a, it's a big, big commitment. But this noncommittal posture that we sometimes have towards the Holy Spirit leads us to, to use excuses like, oh, I'm searching for God's will in my life. Like, I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and act and do something, reveal something to me, and just do something out of the ordinary without me doing anything, being involved at all, not engaging. And that's frankly just an excuse for inaction from us and even disobedience. So we don't want to commit to to following the Holy Spirit, especially today or in the moment or in the next 10 minutes. It's a lot easier to say, I'll follow the Holy Spirit someday, but not today. A lot of people pray about, you know, what what is God's will for my life and, and seek that and search for that. And that is important, absolutely. Um, but it is I would argue not as hard as saying, God, what do you want to do right now? Where am I right now? And what are you leading me towards right now? Immediate action, immediate commitment to be all in. 
And the third posture we often find ourselves is um, what I'm going to call the savior posture, where we can say or act that, man, I can convince that person or that group or woo them into Christianity. It's a reliance upon our own skills and our own merits, and we do this a lot unknowingly. That's the double-edged sword of, of God gifting us with talents and resources, is sometimes we mistake ourselves saying, those are my talents, those are my resources. So that doesn't mean that we're not called to action, to engage through the Holy Spirit, to intercede for people, to reach people. But it's really easy to find ourselves just doing that on our own. To be honest, before the pandemic, I definitely fell into that posture a lot, where it was go, 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 serve, 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 reach, 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 and just running on empty. And now looking in hindsight, it's like, man, a lot of that was just me trying to run on my own skill and resources. And the Holy Spirit was not in the driver's seat. So let's remember that the Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring people to faith ultimately. Yes, we have invitation to to speak with the Holy Spirit into people's lives, but it is not our duty or our role to, to make that conversion happen. And so of course, like a lot of things that God asks us to do, changing our posture even to the Holy Spirit is uncomfortable. Um, Those three postures that we just talked about, um, they're pretty big call-outs. It's uncomfortable to admit that I am being a consumer and being non-committal. I'm actually trying to act as my own savior. Those are really uncomfortable thoughts. And so because of that discomfort, we can kind of shy away from the call and end up subconsciously just waiting around for the next physical coming of God. And as much as we would like the next physical coming in place of a Holy Spirit that is difficult for us to engage with because of the lack of physical presence, God has indeed provided a way forward here and now through the Holy Spirit. And so we've learned um, in the last couple years, especially that physical presence is invaluable. There's a time and place for it. We We are designed for it. But we've also learned that in the absence of that, we need to lean in and work harder than ever to maintain relationships, to communicate, to stay in touch with people, even if it meant Zoom or Teams or a phone call. And as cheesy as it sounds, God asks the same of us with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, this is what I've provided. I have paved a way forward through the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't you engage? Why would you not take advantage of that? So church, I, I urge you and I urge myself to lean into the available Holy Spirit. Knowing that the lack of physical presence 
may not be our preference, but God has indeed called us to a life that is uncomfortable, but ultimately worth it. And so as we go into this new year, let's examine our postures toward the Holy Spirit so that God's vision for the church can be realized. Francis Chan, um, one of my favorite authors, like probably some of you, uh, he writes in his book, The Forgotten God, which talks about our neglect of the Holy Spirit. He casts this vision for the church if we had engaged with the Holy Spirit. He says, the world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. Church, would we realize that vision that God had for us through the Holy Spirit? Would we be different because of the Holy Spirit, not because of our swagger, not because of our staff, not because of our venue or anything else? Would it be because of our relentless dependence on the Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to the Holy Spirit, who you say lives in each one of us that believes in you. If he is indeed that accessible, why would we not take advantage of that? So Father, would you help us to embrace that truth? Would you help us to examine the wrongful postures that we have had towards the Holy Spirit, who you sent with power and purpose? We pray these things in your name. Amen.